interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Good Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday. Stu Kearns, your host. Good to have you along here. It's, uh, it's uh, a fall Saturday, and uh, boy, oh boy, we're at the end of this football season. It's very exciting. I don't know if you're like me. Uh, we're uh, with uh, on pins and needles to see if the Huskers can beat the Badgers, and if they can, ooh, a bowl game. What? A bowl game? And then if they can't, they still have a chance. Talk about drama. So a lot of things happening tonight. And, uh, you know, by the way, if you aren't into uh, the Peacock, which I don't even know what shows are on Peacock. I know it's an NBC thing, and I know I have too many apps on Roku active, and I need to, like, undo some because I'm paying money I'm not using. But uh, you know what? You don't need stinking Peacock. You got KLIN. You're at 1499.3. You just listen to the game like the old days when you used to go in the backyard and rake the leaves and listen to the game. And Lyle Bremser would say, man, woman and child. And uh, so just you go old timey. Just go KLIN. Uh, I am so pleased to have in a studio with me today an old friend and uh, uh, well, let's just say a peer, a fellow colleague pastor of a very large church and newlywed, Jim Keck. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. I'm married. How about that? Well, I mean, that is, that is super exciting. What, how, how, how many weeks or months have you been married now? I've been married about exactly a month. One, one yeah. month. Oh, my goodness. Where uh, You don't have to tell us too many details about your bride because she deserves a little bit of privacy. But uh, where where did you meet? Where did you get married? And uh, and just a couple of things. Well, Becca and I have been going out for about three years now, uh-huh. um, and I think we knew a year ago we were going to get married. Um, but she had a sixteen and eighteen year old. I had a twenty one and twenty two year old. Mm. And the thought of moving four boys into one house uh, <laughs> was daunting. Yes. Uh, so we were kind of waiting till we launched a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we, we got married last month. She's a psychotherapist for LPS with some of the highly traumatized uh, youth in our town. Oh, wow. Really important work. Yeah. Um, it, it's inspiring to me. Mm. Uh, but we went on our honeymoon to uh, Playa Mujeres, which is right above Cancun. Ooh. And we just laid on a beach. And, and the honeymoon, you know, later in life mm-hmm. was so special because, you know, unlike when you're 22 – Mm-hmm. And it's adrenalized and really kinetic. We just yeah. laid around and enjoyed each other. And mm-hmm. and when you're young on a honeymoon, it seems like it's all about the future. You know, you're going to be forging careers and starting a family. Well, yeah. she and I have raised families. We've had careers. It wasn't so much about the future, but just enjoying the present and and not so much about what we'll achieve, but just being true to yourself now at this yeah. age, you yeah. know? Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, she's, uh, she's a psychologist, uh, and, and you, I mean, you, you aren't a psychologist, but you kind of play one in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you find yourself uh, engaging in clinical kinds of conversations about uh, yourself and others? And... Endlessly, actually. Yeah. Um, the great danger, of course, is she's analyzing me while I'm talking. <laughs> Um, but she married but, you. But her, yeah, she did. Yeah. Um, but her, she's such an insightful uh, psychotherapist, and she was mm-hmm. a she got her master's in social work at WashU in St. Louis. So also had been bo- involved in social work early in oh. her career. So there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, 
I can just tell my whole church, if you see me make any especially wise decisions about human beings, it's, it's all <laughs> her telling me what to do at this point. <laughs> well, I, I don't completely believe that, but I'll, I'll, let's give her a ton of credit. I, I, that's uh, from what little I've seen of her on, on uh, and I, I think I may have met her maybe once. I think you did one time. Possibly, yes, but it uh, seems just like a delightful woman. Oh, she's yeah. a joy. Yeah. There, uh, how, okay, you've been, you know, you've been just you and the guys in the house for a while. <laughs> what's it like? What's it like having a female? It was a fraternity house. house because, you know, yeah. I, again, I was raising two boys. Uh, yeah. And so it's three guys in a house. Uh, and suddenly this, might sound a tad sexist, but when there's a woman there, there's so many little enhancements that take place. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't have a dishwasher for six years. I haven't had a TV in six years. Really? Uh, it just, we just had pizza boxes and sports equipment laying around uh, yeah. the house. I had, I had four forks, one butter <laughs> knife. Uh, I mean, really, it's as bad as you can imagine. That, it was a fraternity. That is bad. That it, is bad. It's bad, but now it just, it's gracious and, and, uh, uh, again, I don't mean this in a sexist way, but a woman's touch is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. I think I, I, I think my audience will understand exactly what you mean and probably say <laughs> amen to that. The uh, now some of the stuff we were talking off air of some of the fun stuff with the boys. Uh, you know, I, I my sons, we can watch movies together, we can talk, you know, Lord of the Rings together and all that kind of stuff. But we never really did a lot of sports together. But you, you and your sons have connected a lot through sports. Yeah, mostly golf. Although yep. we'd shoot pool and and play ping pong, mad ping pong, man. Holy cow, we got yeah. at each other and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but be, my older son was a longboard racer, and I don't get near that. Yeah, I mean that's fifty miles an hour around turns, laying it out. Have you ever seen that? Where the that looks horrifying. It's just horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but my younger son got into golf mm-hmm. even uh, more, and. During COVID, I was just telling you before we came on the air, yeah. uh, COVID created something for me I'll never forget as a father. Mm. You, you, um, when everything was shut down, um, I got to every single night with my 18-year-old, we'd play nine holes. Mm. And and to have a time in life where you're walking along with your 18-year-old every single day. Yeah. Uh, That's gold. It's gold. Yeah. That's and well, you were telling me that. I mean, over the time, he's you know, he's he's pretty good. I mean, I imagine you're decent yourself, but he's he smokes it, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. I was I was telling you about that yeah. recently. He got six birdies in a row from the back tees, and I thought a twenty nine was in play. And yeah. I know you're supposed to like a no hitter, not say anything. I started yeah. dancing around the greens, and I was yelling <laughs> out. And when he'd make a putt, uh, I was doing victory dances, and he ended up. Uh, par in the last uh, few holes and shooting a 31, but 31 ain't bad. Oh my goodness. 31. Let's see. 31. That'd be about three holes for me. So that'd be, that'd be a a very, so does he, when you go, is it just for fun or do you, is there, there's no, there's no money on the line or anything? Well, no, I, I try to get in his head. I'm his dad, right? (laughs) So I'm working him and we, we have versions of games we play, although, uh, my golly, he can, beat me upside and down at this point, but yeah, no, we have fun. Yeah, that's great. Well, the, uh, is there anything that you, in fact, I like to do together, uh, like uh, walks, uh, dogs, uh, uh, name sports. it all. She brought a dog back into the house. I haven't had a dog since my divorce six mm. years ago. I lost, I lost the dog in the divorce, and mm. I bet some listeners know what that's like. Oh, man. It's rough to lose a beloved that, dog. That is rough. Um, uh, and dog is like pure happiness back in yes. the house, so... No, we but we enjoy a lot of similar intellectual yeah. interests, and uh, believe it or not, I actually had her. I would I wouldn't call it preaching, but I had her in a service recently, responding mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. uh, which 
I know for preachers out there, the thought of, oh my God, if they ask their wife to, <laughs> <laughs> they'll lead worship. But she's she's used to presenting and yeah, and and yeah. in a similar field, so. That, yes, that is a that is a big risk. So there you go. I mean, she could say anything about you. Yes, she can. And but uh, I I think you're pretty safe with her. The uh, so she's uh, in the again the clinical field LPS. Um, I, I would imagine again. I know we can't get into case studies and stories, but I would imagine that the 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 needs over the last few years have just been off the charts. The, the mental health crisis among youth through yeah. COVID, uh, it's a thing. Yeah, and. Uh, and she deals with it day in, day out, uh, um, and it really hurts my heart. There are kids that are so traumatized, mm-hmm. uh, um, and and she again, she has a she has a loving presence that I think is is just so spectacular. Um, but these kids, uh, what they've faced, and so if they're just sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, mm-hmm. um, and they haven't had a chance, yeah, uh, it's it's rough. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's one of the reasons why. I mean, uh, I've you know, I've, you know, all all pastors do some counseling and so forth, and but uh, but I've received you know therapy, and I and I think, man, okay, if I were doing this all the time, and so she's, I, I'm I'm sure that they talk about this a lot, just mechanisms of how do you not just carry that weight with you all the time? Is there? Does yes. she have? How does she how does she detach from? Well, that? I'm not sure about her, but sometimes I actually have to ask her not to tell me the stories of the day, yeah. uh, uh, because these the struggles these kids face. Yeah. It's at the behavioral school. We have a you know a behavioral yep. high school here yep. in Lincoln, which is a wonderful model, and and I've been around to see the teachers and the principal and and yep. the psychotherapists there. Um, I just thank God there's people like that that are doing their best yeah. to help these folks. Uh, you know, first and foremost, get through high school. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely. We're going to take our first break when we come back. Uh, we're talking about, uh, we'll talk about a variety of things, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of the other things we have in common is we've been at the same church for a long time. And uh, I, want to, I want to think about what's, what's really great about that and maybe some of the hidden costs of that. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. All right, let's take a little break. It's Friendly Fire Saturday here on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Keeping the topics lively. The conversation civil. This is Friendly Fire with Stu Kurtz on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 
We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Uh, Kearns talking with uh, Jim Keck. He's the pastor at First Plymouth. And uh, uh, First Plymouth, as if everybody didn't know where it is, but just remind them, where, 20th and D? 20th and D Street. All right. You know, back in 1929, uh, we moved way out to the cornfields. That was 20th and D back <laughs> Isn't then. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. You, well, you know, by the way, okay, so when I grew up, the south boundary of Lincoln was Highway 2, now Nebraska Parkway, and there was no Southwood. And I remember when we're in the old Southwood Lutheran building, and uh, I remember when that building went up, and it was it was in the middle of a cornfield. We have pictures of that. Yeah. So isn't that crazy? Lincoln just keeps expanding. Yeah. I mean, First Plymouth is actually the first church in Lincoln. It was it's it was where the Cornhusker Marriott is now. Okay, I knew and it was if, downtown. And in fact, you can see a plaque in the sidewalk acknowledging that yeah. in front of the Cornhusker. So what Marriott. year was the current building? Nineteen twenty nine, and okay. it was right during the depression. And they yeah. almost, the stock market crashed, and they almost backed off building yeah. it, but decided it was a God thing. They just decided this church, has, the neighborhood needs this church. So. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's really similar to the time frame of Zion and the old uh, South Bottoms. They were founded in 1900, so a little bit after. Uh, 1866. Yeah, so, yeah, a little bit, 36, four years, but... <laughs> Uh, and then, and then again, they were like, Hey, we're in the floodplain. Let's get out of the floodplain. And then it was in the twenties. They moved up to ninth and D and, uh, so yeah, it's an interesting story. Well, uh, again, you've been there for over 20 years. Oh, actually 18. Oh, 18. Yeah. Okay. Well, it feels like more than 20 years. Well, you've been there a million years where you are. That's true. It's kind of true. Yeah. (laughs) What are you? And by the way, and you followed a guy who'd been there for whatever, 30, 34 years, 34 years. So they're used to, they've been really blessed. Most churches don't have two pastors over, you know, 50 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's what we call a rare, right? No. And I, uh, I think American churches really thrive with continuity and leadership. So, so again, I want to celebrate you've been at Zion Mm -hmm. for 34 years. I bet they don't know how fortunate that is because I see, I follow churches all over the country. Yeah. A lot, I'm kind of a church geek, right? There's 350,000 churches in this country, yeah. so there's a lot to follow. Yeah. But one of the things that will really begin to trouble a church is quick turnover among pastors. Mm. Um, and it's just really hard on a church. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, yeah, we, neither one of us will last forever. But, we're, but hey, we're not done yet, right? That's right. That's right. What are you, uh, so thinking about that, you, you, I mean, you are, you are, savvy and all this stuff. You think about this stuff a lot in terms of the trends with the churches. A couple of things to think about. What are the, what are some of those benefits, uh, some of the tangible benefits you think that churches get from long-term pastorates? And are there any things on the back end that maybe, okay, there's a little bit of a bill to pay too? Well, first of all, is the obvious. If someone is a place for a long time, they're probably doing a good job. And mm. that sounds like a self-serving remark with the two of us <laughs> standing here. Um, but just think about it. Usually yeah. if things aren't working out, people get moved on. Mer- By the way, some 25% of churches have fired a pastor within the past eight years. Really? Um, that segment of time is any eight-year period of time. Mm. So American churches fire pastors a lot. So if someone's been there a long time, it's probably first and foremost because it's going okay. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then... What develops over time, and we know this in all our lives, is trust. Mm. Uh, and uh, we need to be able to trust our leaders, and decisions need to be made without constant microanalysis, and there needs to be some agility to how decisions are made. Mm. Um, and when there's a high level of trust, uh, and longtime pastors usually have learned how to ask for forgiveness if they make mistakes. Mm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah, I have had to do that. 
Yeah, yeah. There. Uh, what are what are some of the downsides that you that maybe have? Well, I suppose the obvious downsides is a church can take on too much the personality of a longtime yeah. pastor. Yeah. Uh, my proclivities, even down to uh, it here's a lot of the scriptures I like, mm-hmm. or it here's a lot of the theological angles that I like. Yeah. Um, so there might not be as comprehensive a spirituality, perhaps, mm-hmm. or theology over time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so too. Uh, it'll begin to mirror the pastor's own strengths. So, so, so wherever that pastor's weaknesses are, over a lot of years, it's likely the church itself will be weak in that area. Yeah, yeah. How do you, uh, now you're in a congregational system, I'm in a Presbyterian system, so we have, uh, but you still have a board, and I assume that the congregation elects that board. How is, do, can you be involved in that process some way to make sure that, that, that their goal isn't to somehow clone you and and have all of the people who love you on that board, and so you at least hear some. You've got you've got kind of got some counterpoints. So, uh, sort of Lincoln's team of rivals, something or, like that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't think that's a big problem in my setting, but of course that's what a dictator would say. So. <laughs> um, yeah. so we have you know the congregationalists are a radical form of democracy. Each member yeah. holds a vote. So like yep. for example, when I was hired, I preached a service, and then they literally took a vote. Yep. Um, every major decision the church faces is a vote. Mm. So with that pure democracy, um, you get a diversity of voices and. Mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so and and boards are elected at the beginning of the year. It's, it's re- representative, right? And so they'll handle. Mm-hmm. So the trustees board is yeah. what I report to. Gotcha. Um, and uh, that being said, I get your point. I mean, over a long time, pastors have friends on those boards, and can it become too one-sided, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's I, I I've found I've, uh, that I've I've tried to over the years. Again, it's easier to work with people who tend to think the way that I do, and I. I'm not stupid. I get that, but I've, but I think over the years I've become more comfortable with, uh, with hey, we need to have a good, healthy uh, discussion and disagreement, and we need to feel the freedom to say whatever it is we need to say, you know. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't mean to ask you a too personal a question on the yep. radio, but um, across America, there's something called the Great Resignation, and a lot mm. of pastors in the midst of the tumult of COVID and how yeah. hard that was thought about quitting. Did you hit a point like that? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? Did you? I, I wouldn't say I came close to quitting, but I hit a level of grief that yeah. I didn't expect. I, I missed church so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. It kind of depends on how you say close. I mean, did I think about it? Yes. Did I actually take any action steps? No. You know, if I was, you know, <laughs> suicidal, I'd say, well, I, I some ideation, but no plan. You know, and so there's uh, there are just, there are just times when... Uh, you know, it's funny. I've told people this in public, and I'd say it again. You know, having gone through two fires, I'd rather go through another fire than go through COVID again. Uh, COVID was—it uh, was a gut punch. It was a gut punch, and I don't—and I think it was a gut punch along all kinds of lines. Is that your experience in talking with various pastors? It, it isn't—you know—every kind of church. Oh, of course, yeah. So, um, I mean, what a church does across the board, every church, we gather people. Be that worship classes, groups, prayer groups, uh, mission groups, concert, lectures, concerts. I mean, it, um, we yeah. gather people. Suddenly, mm-hmm. you couldn't gather people. And, and I had a moment this week where um, I really felt inspired by this. Uh, so, you know, think back to March of 2020. Um, we, we closed down in March yeah. of 2020. So we had zero in-person worship 
Then by August, when the schools came back, we opened up again because we thought if people going to school, they should be able to come to church. Mm -hmm. But I would hold services. We were averaging 75 or 80 people at First Plymouth in August of 2020. And then we just, what I feel so good about, we just decided stick to what church is about. Church matters. People need spiritual community. Um, You need to be in community if you're going to be a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm. Just keep sticking to that. Um, by 2021, you know, we were averaging about 450 in in-person worship. I'm not talking about any of the digital stuff because yeah. it went massively digital. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but then in 2022, we got to 800 in physical attendance. And then in 2023, we, we got to averaging about 1,000 in physical mm. attendance. And as of this week was the first time we've hit 1,200 in mm. in-person attendance mm. since COVID. And that kind of at least linear progress. Now, we're not back to where we were, yeah. um, but yeah. that kind of progression. And then we discovered something I did not expect. By, by producing all this digital worship and live streaming, mm-hmm. what I didn't realize is it would become an on-ramp to membership. So, yeah. so what, hap- what happens is people watch for a couple months, yeah. feel like they know us, and then when they attend, they're already ready to join. Yeah. So last year, which it's hard to believe, we had the most new members in our entire history join in one year last year. Since 1866, we had the most new members ever last year. This year, we're about to set another record on the most new members because of the digital stuff. That that is a huge, huge change. I, you know, my dad was in the used car business and, uh, and well, and this is back in the eighties, you know, and so people, yeah, they come, they kick the tires and look at stuff. And what, you know, the chances that the person who came to your lot, look at a car would actually buy a car was I don't know, maybe five. But now they've cased it out online, right? Exactly. Now, a friend of mine who's in the, uh, who's in, still in the car business and has a great digital footprint, he said, you know, again, by the time people come to your lot, there's at least a 50-50 chance they know the car they're going to buy and they're going to buy it's, it. It's, so it, we've gone from maybe, you know, 5%, 2%, whatever, to over 50% uh, when, they, when they show up at your brick and mortar, they're, they're already sold. It's, and you're experiencing that at, at oh, first place. Oh, I am. By the way, I'm learning about cars. So my son is now in the car auction business. Ah. And he's been down this week with George Foreman, the former heavyweight ah. champion of the world. He's been spending two weeks because George has 57 really special cars in his garage. Wow. 57. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it's funny. It's just going. Uh, so he's been driving every one of these cars trying to figure out what they're worth. Um, oh, it says George is a kind of sweet, quiet guy. But... Uh, anyway, they just went live auction right now as we're talking. Wow! Wow! I, I would. Oh, I'd love to see. Uh, I'll have to get that link from you. I'd love yeah, to see what yeah. he's what he's doing. Isn't that funny? How you know I collect baseball cards, and you know, and George Foreman collects you know cars. That's. Yeah. Uh, do you collect anything? I, I, I don't. But it, actually, one one of the cars they're having a hard time trying to figure out how to price is uh, Foreman's got a million dollar Ferrari that has hamburgers embroidered on every seat. From his grill, you know, the oh, business, yeah. grill business. Yeah. So yeah. how much is a Ferrari worth if there's a hamburger? I think the value went down. I think the value went down. Got to take another break. We'll be right back talking with Jim Keck today. Uh, glad to have you along on a Friendly Fire Saturday on 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. 
Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Interesting topics to kick off your weekend. Looking at the news with an eye of faith. Friendly Fire with Stu Kearns, 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling right along on a Saturday morning. It's a Friendly Fire Saturday talking with Jim Keck here from First Plymouth. And Jim, I was corrected. Jim has been the senior pastor there for 18 years. It just feels like 20. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But uh, they're uh, but having, a, having a good run down there. And um, church is growing back. By the way, I want to I turn to the news of the week a little bit and talk about Gaza in just a minute. But the... Um, you were mentioning again taking a huge hit uh, for uh, for attendance because of COVID, like everybody did, and, and the digital change and so forth. Um, I, okay, over the last couple of years, there's also been, been a lot of just de-churching. People just say, you know, I think I'm done. I'm not sure I I can I can read a book. I can you know watch stuff online. I'm just not I'm not that interested. And uh, just again, as an observer of church culture. Uh, how, number one, how do you think the church is doing generally with that? And and is the church going to recover from this? My answer is yes, the church will recover, but it's going to take some time. Mm. Uh, COVID was a massive hit. Also, like you say, there's a downward pressure about organized religion or going to church in America. There's mm. less people are members of church, less people attend services. Um, however, what intrigues me is that category of people that say they have no religion that's been growing radically. So now mm. we're, you know, we're somewhere around 30% of Americans will say they have no religion. Mm. And that sounds horrible, but it's this incredible potential. Um, uh, there are folks seeking in that category mm -hmm. in ways, if we begin to understand this, they'll say they're no religion, but if you ask them, the vast majority believe in God. Yeah. Of that 30% that say there's no religion, a very sizable proportion mm. actually still say they would they follow Christ. Mm. Um, and so something has happened around church, but not necessarily around faith. And that mm. there's a lot of potential there for, and, and I trust how entrepreneurial churches are. They'll find a way to meet human needs. Mm -hmm. I really believe mm -hmm. those people will have a need for what type of community a church is. Yeah. There, so that I was, it's verbally on the radio. It's tough. They, they talk about the nuns yeah. and it's not N U N S, but it's N O N E S. Yes. They put none on a census form of ask what religion, yeah. you know, um, I'm a, I'm a big Tim Keller fan and I'm, and, uh, he passed he, away, he passed away. He's just a very thoughtful guy, by the way, his last book, forgive mm. it's gold. It's just pure gold. Uh, the, uh, uh, it's, it's interesting. What's on a guy's heart when he knows that the time is short. And his whole last book was a whole uh, on the topic of forgiveness, and uh, and one of the thing one of the things just to get your impression on this. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but uh, one of the one of the things that he puts forward is is the idea of having a forgiveness or mercy culture is a it is a Judeo Christian value that isn't necessarily shared by the rest of the world. Uh, their their shame and honor cultures still dominate different parts of the world, and yet we had, do have because of maybe not because people are making you know overt proclamations of their faith, but embedded in the DNA of the Western culture is this idea that that forgiveness is a good thing, 
and that being gracious and, and merciful toward people is a good thing. Do you do you see that? And and kind of the that and do you Well, I'd say a big amen to how important mercy or forgiveness is for mm-hmm. us to function not only as a society but as a each soul. Yeah. Um if you don't find a way to accept the forgiveness that God grants, God's mercy is beyond our imaginations. If you can't accept, but also if you can't offer that to others, mm-hmm. nothing works. Yeah. Um, how, I would quibble on cultural or civilizational analysis because, mm-hmm. in fact, in my experience of other religions, there's form of forgiveness in mm-hmm. every religion I've encountered. And mm-hmm. and uh, I was part of founding uh, a multi-faith network in San Francisco mm-hmm. of some 500 different clergy from Buddhism, Islam, all the Christian denominations. Yeah. Um, and in those conversations, while it might look different than the way we would voice mm-hmm. forgiveness, I, I've never encountered one of the great wisdom traditions that didn't have that some yeah. form of that notion. And, I, and I may, you might be just that might be just a good corrective. He's, I'm not sure he's saying it's absent, but it doesn't it doesn't dominate the way it does in our culture. Whereas, whereas in fact, if I if I if I think you're unforgiving, I might actually kind of at least internally judge you for that. It's like, hey, what's his problem? And he let it go, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, so, um, but I, I, to get to your real point, yeah. I do worry though. We got to reclaim that forgiveness that's yeah. in the because in a cancel culture, we're so damn unforgiving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna. Everybody at some point is going to be on the seat, right? You're going to be on the hot seat, and everybody's going to need to be forgiven at some point because we're, uh, yeah, we're we're flawed. We're we're very flawed. Uh, speaking of which, and um, so Gaza erupts in the news, and uh, um, and again, it's it's a horrific you know in, incursion, and uh, the the horrors that took place against uh, the Israelis is, has been fairly well documented. Well, then we get the response, and the response is equally or even more you know horrific, depending on. And then we get. You know, everybody wants to kind of feather it out and say, well, yeah, but, you know, Hamas uses these tactics and there's only so much you could do. There's, it's hard to look at that situation and think that there is a way forward. Uh, did, does your it's, congregation, are they interested in thinking well, about that, talking about well, that? I think everyone is yeah. uh, feeling it upon their heart. Um, and it's a highly complex issue. Uh, however, to be clear, I'm hearing it's turned into a political volleyball. So, yeah. so um, I think any person on the street would see the sort of horrible terrorism Hamas represents and what was taking place is ghastly. And, um, but then it gets turned into a political volleyball, whether you voice it enough mm-hmm. or whether it looks like you're supporting the Palestinian people and then you have to differentiate between Hamas and the Palestinian people yeah. and Israel. And so I see it being... It's uh, more as a political positioning in a lot of this talk. I want to set all that aside and let's just let's just acknowledge the obvious. We are massively in support of Israel. So if mm-hmm. people if, if you people can sit there and claim we're not supporting Israel enough, that's not even close. Yeah. The United States is a massive supporter and ally of Israel. We got two battleships stationed holding off any Arab incursions. We've got $14 billion of aid going. So all this social media talk, um, don't let it override the reality. America clearly is supporting Israel. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's funny, in the church world, now I'm, I'm not of this view. Uh, I'm, I'm of the view 
it's just more of a political question. They're, they're a democracy in that region. We, we should be supportive of freedom and democracy wherever it flourishes. And, uh, but, but many Christians uh, of the evangelical brand uh, believe there's kind of a prophetic prophecies involved. Yeah, yeah. prophecy involved, and that there, that if we uh, that if we don't support Israel, that then God will, you know. And I don't come from that tradition. Is yours? I I don't come from that tradition no. either. So there's just a long time support of Israel as a democracy. Israel Israel is a refuge for the Jews and the suffering they faced when yeah. we you know when that was created in 1948. Yeah. There's a lot of sympathy for that. I, I will say my own denomination gets into the. Po- political games mm-hmm. um, and frankly in in years past I think my own denomination has been too vigorous in just voicing support for the Palestinian people mm. um, yeah. uh, so but again my gosh uh, uh, I think any human person to, to see the devastation that the Palestinian people yeah. are would would Want yeah. that, wants that to stop as well, and yeah. and I think anybody knows there have been injustices done upon the Palestinian people, and there's mm-hmm. there's pain on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that, none of that is to, to equate Hamas with the Palestinians. Yeah. Hamas yeah. is something. Well, a minister shouldn't say this, but Hamas needs to cease to exist, and I don't mean human beings need to die. Yeah. I mean that type of organization yeah. that's based purely on violence needs to. Yeah, yeah, we want to. That's. We want the Prince of Peace to rule, not uh, not whoever's got the biggest guns. Um, well, let's take another last break here, and we'll come right back, do a little shameless plug, and we'll we'll turn the temperature uh, more upbeat mm. for that final segment. You're listening to uh, Friendly Fire on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records. Bringing you local voices to break down the news of the week. Friendly Fire with Stu Kurds on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. We are back. It's Friendly Fire Saturday. Talking with Jim Tech here from First Plymouth. He's the senior minister. And um, uh, by the way, Jim, it's the time of the program. We always do a famous plug. So I say plug away. Plug away. Well, I've started a new form of worship. I'm not even sure it's worship. It's like a hybrid event where it's a spiritual gathering of some sort. I'm calling it significancy. And we've already held two. It's where there is, I give a, a monologue, as it were, about some big idea, usually around spiritual issues. Then there's live music, and then we move to a podcast-style interview around that topic. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of big ideas, conversation, music. So it's not really worship, but it's spiritual. It's called significancy. I did the first one, or I did the last one on bad religion, 
where mm. religion can go sideways. Mm-hmm. I did the uh, first one on uh, church in America. Um, mm. And this next one is going to be on the use of hallucinogenics by some uh, churches in America these days. I don't know if you're aware of that. I'm not aware. <laughs> okay. You know me. Um, yeah. I live in a cave, Jim. Okay. I, um, so, yeah. so uh, and the next one will be in January. Uh, but it, these are sort of events that will happen about once every six weeks. My hope is it'll be a way that someone could come to church. It won't have a lot of churchy stuff happening, uh, but I believe there'll be a spirit presence. Hmm. You're, you've always got uh, new ideas. You, By the way, how many different... Uh, how many different places and services are you doing well, these days? Well, COVID did impact that. Okay, so we do that. worship once a month downtown at Screamer's Restaurant where, you know, the, okay. the servers yeah. get up and sing a song. Yeah. And then Juan Carlos, the other pastor, and me between the songs get up and preach a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's a kick. So you can hear us preach over a hamburger and a beer. Yes. There, I, I just came from back from a church planters meeting in uh, St. Louis. And, of course, they talk about all the crazy things that have been done, you know, starting services and planting churches. And one of the, I remember one of the first meetings I went to is, oh, heck, we planted a church in a, out of a school bus once. And then they were like, they're like one-upping each other. Once we tried to plant a church out of a station wagon. And then he paused for a moment. And he said, eh, that didn't work. So, but, so don't go for the station wagon. Yeah, no. Well, COVID, we've always been in recent years in a school, like either in yep. Clefcorn Elementary School or yep. Scott Middle School. And yep. COVID knocked off that multi-site and we we're not back to getting, but yep. we'll, we'll get back to that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you've been super creative in that regard. And uh, uh, so I, I, I appreciate that kind of creativity. Um, it is, I'll just plug the fact that, I mean, next Thursday it's Thanksgiving. And uh, so, uh, you know, be thankful. Uh, you know, it's funny. We never have done a Thanksgiving service or anything like that. Do you think, do anything? We used to do a Thanksgiving Eve service okay. with St. Paul's Methodist, but yep. that fell off during COVID as well. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and you know, it's, it's a family time. It's a, it's a, and so I hope that, you know, obviously as pastors, we hope you're thankful to God for his kindness to us. And, but whether it's your family or your situation or, you know, even when, even when times are hard, times are pretty good. Yeah, we talked about how forgiveness is so essential. Gratitude is yes. essential as well. Yeah, it's it's it 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 doesn't it changes you from the inside out, right? It's it's just powerful. There were, uh, and I think, and a lot of times when I'm when I'm again anxious and I'm thinking, okay, do I just really really appreciate uh, the good life that God has given me? If you, yeah, I don't remember who said it, but if you're at a loss for words for a prayer, just say thanks. Yeah, yeah. So that Thanksgiving is coming up. It's it's a great opportunity to to express thanks to God, uh, express thanks to the people around you who have been so kind to you. Uh, what do you uh, if you're if, uh, we got about uh, five minutes left here? What are some of the things that are on your I'm thankful for list? Well, gosh, you know, first you start Becca, yeah, <laughs> and Alex and Bryce, my son. So family yeah. first and foremost. Yeah. What yeah. about you? Oh yeah, it's always it's always family first. Uh, I, you know, uh, Kelly and I have been through a lot and, uh, we don't get to see our kids until Christmas. So we'll look forward to that. Um, only one, uh, one grandchild. And, uh, so I hope that someday you get the, the joy of, uh, of a grandchild, but, uh, yeah, spending time with the family is, is just gold. But by the way, that was the one thing I had a sabbatical recently and we went to, um, uh, go do my daughter's, uh, participate in my daughter's wedding wow. out in California. And it was uh, it was just one of the sweetest times. You've got to do a shameless plug of what's coming out for her. I'll tell you what. Oh, well, that's Bedrock. true. Bedrock. But that's well. Th- okay, that's true. The tr- okay, if you watch TV, which usually you should just be listening to radio, but if you're actually watching any TV in January, there's going to be a pilot of a new program uh, on Fox called 
Bedrock. It's an updated version of the Flintstones. And my daughter, uh, Lindsay, co-producer, she's right? a co-producer, and she's uh, the writer of and the, the writer. pilot. And, uh, and then I, I think she'll be a part of a writing team if it's, okay, I was explaining to Jim, Jim knew more about this than I did, but I learned not that long ago is that the, uh, you, you, you get an idea, you pitch it to a network. If a network bites it and say, yeah, we'll take an, a pilot, and then they pay for a pilot. And then the pilot, if it's successful, then they say, hey, give us a season of that. And then they buy a season of it. So that's where we're at in the process. I, I, and I just read that uh, Bedrock is going to donate 10% to First Plymouth. I think that, that? you know, if Elizabeth Banks, maybe she's a <laughs> congregationalist. That was, Elizabeth Banks, you might know from the Hunger Games, she is also, she's the, the executive producer, and she's going to be the voice of Pebbles. So here's the shtick. The shtick is that, uh, uh, that the, the Barney and Fred, who grew up in the Stone Age, are having a hard time transitioning into the Bronze Age. Oh, man, like you and me. That's right. That's right. Just a couple of rockheads trying to get into the next generation. So this is, and Pebbles and Bam Bam are now in their 20s, and, of course, they know all the modern you know, aspects of the Bronze Age. And so, but, and, and, uh, so Fred and Barney are trying to adapt, oh, their, adapt to this, this newfangled way oh. of living. So your daughter's been working with Elizabeth Banks. I love Elizabeth yeah. Banks. Yeah. Isn't that wow. kind of crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. Well, it takes a, you know, usually it takes a name to get the door open. And for those who don't know Elizabeth Banks, just, you know, Google her. But uh, she was. You'll uh, recognize her. You'll recognize her, especially probably from Hunger Games. Yeah. Mainly, uh, mostly. That. Yeah. Yeah. But she's been in some kind of sitcom type things. Yes. Ago, yeah. Well, I, I, Modern Family? I feel like she was in that. I mean, I've always liked her. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she, she's, she's, it's, it's very cool. So it's neat that Lindsay gets to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Anything, anything else that you, makes your big thanks list of, oh, of Thanksgiving? I, you know, sometimes this will sound Treckley or saccharine, but uh, Lincoln. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I came here from San Francisco and, mm. and been here 18 years, and Lincoln's got a lot of problems like every place. But, yeah. but there's a solidity and a, 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 it feels so deeply like home to me. Mm. I, by the way, I would second that motion. I think it's easy to, you know, I've been, you look around all the things that are happening in the world, and there are people, you know, trying to get out of Gaza into Egypt, and there are people who are, you know, whose bomb home has been bombed in the Ukraine, and you're just all the horrible things that are happening out there. And and I don't know about you, but I walk around Lincoln sometimes, and I think I live in Disneyland. This is, I mean, it's ridiculously safe. It's prosperous. It's everything I want is just minutes away, and uh, and it's and it's it's easy to take that for granted, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but we shouldn't take it for granted. And uh, and I think especially as our, um, I think one of the one of the things that has kind of helped uh, your ministry stay forward is just you you kind of have a uh, undaunted uh, positivity and optimism. Is <laughs> no, it, it, um, I and First Plymouth has been part of creating that for me. I think mm. joy is a, the essential personality mm. characteristic at First Plymouth. Mm. Uh, Otis Young, who was there thirty four years, said. His his key swing thought every Sunday morning was uh, that people would leave feeling better than when they came. Mm, mm. That's, uh, but we bump into a lot of people who are struggling. Uh, yeah, they're uh, yeah. We're we're both in the fourth quarter of ministry. Any particular goals you have for that fourth quarter? Uh, oh you've been my. doing this not at First Plymouth for again eighteen years, but but overall more than longer than I have. Well, you know, I think when you're younger, 
uh, you're you're driven to kind of create things. You talked about create innovations and new things, mm-hmm. and I, I still hope and plan to be innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels to me more to reside deeply in the basic good aspects of what church is. Mm. Um, so to, to, to like play small ball, just get deeper into scripture, get deeper into prayer life with people, get deeper mm-hmm. into uh, uh, doing service work with people. Mm-hmm. Um, being, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German theologian, wrote a book called Life Together. I love that it was book. a book about church, isn't it? Love it. And, and to, to reside more deeply in our life together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't read that book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it's a life changer. Jim, thanks so much for taking time to come down here and be with me today. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah, and, and happy Thanksgiving to you and to Becca and to the, your sons and her son. And, and I hope you have a great time. You too. All right. I leave you seeing as I always do to think about it and talk about it. See you next week. Yeah.